0: This is the East Coast City Podcast, episode four. I'm Abby, and on today's show, our special guest is Tia Upshaw, a Halifax-based entrepreneur and the founder of Canadian Black Women in Excellence. Now before we get started, I do want to apologize for the sound quality on my end. This was a video call interview, but the good news is that you'll be able to watch some of the clips on our Instagram page. Okay, let's jump into the interview. What you're about to listen to is Tia telling me how her non-for-profit, Canadian Black Women in Excellence, got started in the first place.
1: I've always wanted to do what I want to do. Um, You know, I've always been that defiant child, I guess, Um, outrageous teenager. Um, I have my first child at 14 and my second at 17, and then my last baby, at 26. So I was literally in grade seven, grade 10 and university when I had all my children. I already started off with doing whatever I want to do, whatever the consequences were. So be it. Um, I mean, this wasn't, my cleaning company is my first official business because it's almost nine years old, but I used to have a hair salon um, in 2010 or 2009. And I closed it in 2013. And the hair salon was called The Makeup Bar. And for anybody out there, if they want to Google it, it, it existed. It was there. Um, and even then, I've always wanted to play an active role in empowering women. So then I had developed myself and a co-worker. She was one of my head stylists, Lakita Wiggins. And me and her came up with the concept um, of a fashion event for plus-size women. And outside the box, though, we're not talking about wearing moos and oversized shirts. It was corsets and leggings, bikinis and one pieces with no cover ups. Um, and that was called The Weight Is Over and W-E-I-G-H-T. And we do have a couple of videos on YouTube from back then. Um, and, you know, all that just ceased once I went through a uh, uh, breakup, me and my um, children of my father we broke up after spending nearly 20 years together and um, you know I was kind of rock bottom didn't want to be around people I was you know angry sad, all kinds of emotions um, and I just shut down the salon shut stop doing the wait is over and we did it the wait is over in Halifax um, twice once in in Ottawa too and it was it was a good thing. Um, but you know in your personal life, kind of creeps in and shuts everything down. And that's what happened. Um, so after that, I just kind of went back on social assistance after the breakup, uh, moved into one bedroom with my my children, three of them. Uh, my son had his own bedroom. Um, and then my daughters we just kind of slept wherever. and it was a bullshit year to be yeah. quite honest. It Sounds was like it. a bullshit hate my life. I can't believe this is happening um, type of year. And then I just went to a wedding, um, met a couple of people there. And then after that, um, I met my fiance at another event based on the people from the wedding. So they were all connected as friends and I met them and it wasn't anything. Um, sparks did not fly. Trust me. I had a whole attitude. Don't want nothing to do with no man. (laughs) Um, it wasn't that it was just, it is what it is. If it's a one-nighter, it's a one-nighter, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we ended up becoming, you know, very serious into a relationship. And, you know, I was cleaning, you know, part-time here and there for people. Nothing major. I was delivering newspapers at nighttime. Um, and my youngest daughter, she would be with me. She would have been five then. Yeah, she would have been five then. And she'd be in the back sleeping. Or my daughter, other daughter, who would have been both 13, 14, and we used to babysit. And, you know, by law, that's, you're not supposed to do that because she's too young to be babysitting. Um, But again, I'm defiant and I have to make ends meet. So, you know, I did that for about 18 months during the night, six nights a week for the Chronicle Herald. Um, People think it was a bad job. It really wasn't. I didn't really mind it. Um, I just went out at, you know, 1 a.m. and do what I had to do. And I'd be back in at six, get my other kids up for school, drop them off drop off my youngest at school, and then kind of go door to door asking people if they would like, would they like a cleaning? Literally, for like 50 $60. I'd be there for like five, six hours. Oh, my God, But I didn't know I was just looking for the extra money. And plus, I was on social assistance. So it was like cash under the table, I can make it work, I can get a little bit further. Um, you know, I don't what, gotta was it
0: like a bit of like a a value thing too, where like you know, when you first start off too, and especially as a woman, it's hard to really know your value, especially when it comes to payment and to ask for what you think you deserve too. I mean, at that
1: time, absolutely not. It wasn't a value thing. Um, you know, I suffer from that. I did suffer from that syndrome when you don't know your value. Um, and I guess we'll speak about that soon too. But back then was just I need to pay bills, I need yeah. to feed my kids. Um, I just gotta get like, you know, I just got to get out of this, this situation. And, um, I did that for about four months and then all of a sudden people were telling people about me and then I slowly upped my price to $80 to 90. And then, you know, two years after that, I end up having my first employee and, um, needless to say, you know, you can't get us now for $90. You we, we like, you know, when you get a, an estimate from us, it doesn't even start at 90, um, And and it's funny because people always ask, well, how did you do it? How did you build it? I never got a loan um, because I had bad credit. Um, I didn't have a clue what a business plan was, nor what my market was. I just wanted to clean people's houses, any house. Didn't even matter. I was going wherever they wanted me to go. So I didn't know my market. I had no idea. Don't even say financial projections. I was just like, "Uh, I I don't know. Um, And back then, you know, it would have been you know, almost nine years since July started and no one really took the time to say, okay, you got bad credit. This is what we need you to do. Let's hook you up with a financial, you know, expert or the bank or go to your bank and talk to your bank. Let them try to figure, out, you know, school you on your ratios and how to stay under your credit limit, all this stuff. No. Or they could call you and say, oh, let me, let's help you with a business plan. No, it was just the doors were just shut on me. They were just shut. Um, You know, there was two organizations um, at the time that was, you know, Black Business Initiative You're supposed to help Black people. Hey, I'm Black. No, Women in uh, in Business, uh, Women's Center for Women in Business at the Mount. I'm a woman. No, I just didn't have what I guess I need to have to get the support. I don't know. Um, So I had to figure it out. Literally, all my supplies were from the dollar store. Dollar Store mop head, Dollar Store Windex Girl. Like, let me tell you, Dollar Store, Dollar Store, rags and everything. And that's literally how I built. Um, back then, it was called Before and After Cleaning Services. And I rebranded about three years ago. Um, but that's how I built the cleaning company. From door to door, on my feet, asking, doing it for cheap, dirt cheap, with do- Dollar Store Supplies. And just hoping and wishing that, you know, I'll be able to build something. And now I'm almost nine years in and I definitely have built something.
0: Um, And and it's, first of all, an amazing story because, you know, like you said, you were thinking about your kids, you were thinking about food. So it was just very much a go, go, go situation. It's survival. And it's interesting to to look back because... You know, you were supposed to be getting support from these places and there's a huge gap in as to why. Did you ever find out why they weren't helping you? Was it like bureaucracy? Like why, why Listen, was that an issue?
1: I, to be quite honest to this day, I don't know. Um, and I recently just partnered with Center for Women in Business, my organization in theirs. Um, But, after, but before we did that, I had to have a very deep, real conversation. On their stigmas and you know working with Indigenous uh, Black women, and I say Indigenous not based on native language. I'm saying Indigenous Black Nova Scotian women. We've been here versus immigrant Black women. So we had to have a serious conversation because there's a huge discrepancy with that. There's a huge divide. Um, so needless to say, you know, we had that awkward conversation. Some feelings were probably hurt because sometimes people say they want the truth. But when you get the truth from Tia, I, I don't sugarcoat it. I just say, this is what it is. Like, I need to figure out, I, I don't want another black woman starting a business, going to your center and feeling like you just don't give no kind of shits and get toss them aside. That's what you did to me. I did not even get an email back. I was emailing. I was, you know, making phone calls. No one gave Tia Upshaw the time of day in 2013. So I don't know why. <clears throat> literally, I don't know why to this day. Um, but hopefully we can, you know, mend them bridges, fill those gaps. And I guess that's basically, you know, why I Black Women in Excellence.
0: I mean, communication is the key. And huh. yeah, there, I like I'm super ignorant, too. I'm, I mean, coming from a place of like, I don't know. So I need to ask and if I need people to tell me. And I think a lot of people fear that way, too, is that you know, we need to know, like, how can we get involved? How can we help support too? There's a lot that can be done, but like, where do we go to help? And so then that's where Black Women in Excellence comes in too, where you have just kind of filled that gap. How did you even? Come I
1: did. That? Um, because, you know, when I started the cleaning company, that was one thing. And even when I was scaling that business and growing it and expanding, there were still birds. To, it was like, Chirp, yeah. chirp, no one was still trying to help me. Yeah. Um. I still, I had never yet to this day have got a business loan. I've never got any grants for capital, nothing. So my cleaning company, I was able to, you know, flip some money, invested it into doing a short-term rental um, company. And then from there, flipping it and putting it into my lips and lash, my vegan lipstick line. So at no point for any of my entities, do I have any money I owe the bank or any government? Nothing. All on my own. So I pride myself with that because it wasn't easy. There's times that I, I couldn't pay rent in order to make payroll. And I would call my landlord at the time and he worked with me. He, Ryan and Candace, um, they were the, probably the best, the best landlords I've ever had. <clears throat> I rented from them for seven years and, you know, they allowed me to pay rent every two weeks, once a month, whatever I had in that pocket, I could just give to them. They didn't bother me. They knew what I was trying to do. They knew where I was coming from. Um, They knew I wasn't trying not to pay rent. I was trying just to, you know, grow a business. And they're entrepreneurs, so they got it. Um, But, you know, I don't know why, you know, at no point in all these years that, you know, no one has ever, you know, reached out really. Um, You know, you have organizations that showcase black businesses. I never, ever got a phone call um last year would be my first year that i've ever been recognized um and i was nominated for rbc's uh, women of excellence um awards i didn't win it but it was a you know great thing i was nominated and this year i was nominated for a halifax chamber of Commerce um business leader of the year award i hope i do get that
0: i hope so too
1: yeah april 1st (laughs) while i find out at the gala are we allowed Um, to
0: vote or is it just up to them (laughs)
1: It's up to them, girl. It's <laughs> up to them. There's no voting. There's no voting in it. I feel um, like which it would was- be a
0: landslide if we could vote. I feel like that would make the difference.
1: I think that, and because you know, there's a lot of leaders who don't have social media impact, but they have impact in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I pride myself on both. I very much am in you know on social media. Um, you know, I built. You know, a lot of people would think, oh, okay, nine hundred. I'm close to a thousand uh, followers on Instagram. And I never had to once pay to promote something. I never paid for anything. I've genuinely have been transparent. I've been me, and people genuinely have come and flocked. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the community, well, I'm on the ground. Um,
0: well, you've been great too because the way I met you was at the Christmas market, which was really awesome because I'm walking by this table and you're just super friendly, very inviting. You were really open to having a conversation right then and there. I think I spoke to you for like 20 minutes. I
1: was like, We were there for a minute. Yeah, we were were chatting it up. But you know the difference is, I'll say this to you, um, and kudos to you. You took the time to stop and say hi and ask what the organization was. So you're not scared to ask the difficult questions. You're not scared to learn. And you're not scared that it may offend you because you're not Black. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people like you were saying a little while ago. Um, how can we as a community, you know, a non-black community help support, Yeah. you know, rate what you did. Stop and say hi. Stop and ask what you can do. You're not going to offend us. Um, you know, there's certain terminology you use. Some people use African Nova Scotian. some people use black. Some it's different women of color. Me. I'm a black girl. I'm a black girl from the hood. Um, I am a, a business owner, first and foremost, that just happens to be a black woman.
0: Mark your calendars for March 3rd and go check out Cameron Haw's Instagram page to reserve your tickets for his swanky LP release event at the Foggy Goggle. There's going to be a photo booth corner, a live painter, amazing catered food, a custom cocktail, live music, swag, and so much more. But get your tickets before they run out turning
1: back it's hard to comfortable be
0: scared and relaxed in the trouble goes. you corrected me which I thought was fantastic so I, I sent you an email and it was like some questions a little bit of prep and then um in some of the writing I put like black woman and then another one I had put colored woman and you corrected me and you're like no it's for black women
1: Pump us up all into one pocket we're not.
0: I'm so guilty of doing this because I didn't know. But now you taught me this and I'm hoping whoever listens right now is also thinking about this when they're um, talking to people or, or doing their own research. It's just, there's a lot of things going on that we don't even realize or we're kind of part of the problem.
1: And you know, um, you know what's so funny you said that? I'm so glad you said that because it's been a discussion amongst platforms that I'm, you know, my network and whatnot. And even that, terminology BIPOC Um, you know a lot of non-black people are using this terminology and you guys are clumping us up into one category and you know it it, and now I noticed in the last probably four to six months they will say we are BIPOC friendly and then they will add LGBTQ plus so that's starting to become right together and I'm like what is going on I have no problem. My daughter and her girlfriend have been together almost seven years engaged or get married soon, I hope. Um, So, you know, being in a a same sex relationship doesn't bother me none at all. But the fact that you are starting to clump all these things together, we already have to worry about you clumping us as, you know, BIPOC. No, we are black women. There's, you know, Italian women. They're of color. There's East Indian. There's Nigerian. There are so many women of color around the world, but we are black, we're, we're black women. So yeah. that's why I had to shoot that email to you, girl. Hope you yeah. don't take offense to it.
0: No, I'm glad I, I, and again, it just like proof of like ignorance. Like you don't, you don't know to do better until you know better. And you, it's really up to you to educate yourself on doing better. And I think we're in like this generational era where most people want to, it's not as old school as back yes. in the day, which is really great, but Also, it comes into this play of, you know, being woke, And what does that mean? And I noticed that there is a lot of clumping going on. And a lot of clumping and we're tired of it.
1: Yeah. No, I'm like, come on, guys. Like, you know, oh, my God. Yes, we want to be diverse and inclusive. We we all want that. We want you guys to be able to sit at, you know, tables with us and not feel uncomfortable. And we're tired of feeling uncomfortable. Um, Do you know what I mean? But we don't want to be clumped up as just BIPOC, like just no, we're black Nova Scotian women. Yeah, we're black women. Like I, I don't, I don't know how clear I can get with people. But it absolutely drives a lot of us insane. Um, like I said, we speak about this quite often. Now in our circles, it's like, here we go. Yeah, you know, we're, we weren't just the black people or the colored people, or, you know, the d- 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 derogatory word people. Now we're BIPOC people. Here yeah. we go
0: yeah it's just you're always it's just shifting it's like you're getting a new label all the time and you're you are the same you're the same woman it's very it's really interesting I'm really glad we had a little bit of a conversation about it because um yeah like I said I'm very happy you told me well I thought you tricked
1: me I thought you (gasps) tricked me to to see if I read it because I was like, okay. I said, homegirl going good, like and you were going so smooth. And then bing. I was like, ah, did she do that on purpose to trick me to see if I actually read the questions? because so, every you, you were, you know, the titles the whole way through. It was and- like a
0: Freudian slip. Like we had to have this conversation It was meant to be.
1: Yeah, it was meant to be because I legit right.
0: didn't even think about because I was writing black women, because that's the name of your company. And I don't even know where that slip came from. It just this is a conversation that needs to be heard. I think, it's yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was meant to
1: be. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, Tia, can you tell me how Black Women in Excellence got started in the first place?
1: listen, it was. I love Black Women in Excellence. I, I don't. even. OK, so I went to a market. It was called Taking Black Autogen. Um, A friend of mine, she said, let's go there for the day. I wasn't working at all that day. Like, literally, I had people covering shifts. I knew I was good. So I said, OK, let's spend the whole day. We'll go down taking Black Origin." And we'll buy some stuff. We'll go get some Jamaican food. Let's do that. It was a nice um, August day. Went down, and it was my first time going. Even though I've always heard of it, first time going. And I was, you know, amazed, number one, um, at the amount of Black businesses, number two. Number three, um, the demographic would have been about 85 to 90% were all Black women that had these businesses. And about 25% of those Black women, I knew. And I'm like, girl, I never knew you did this. Or my actually my head stylist, Likita, Um, She when she left me, she ended up working for a friend of mine. She owns Karma Bridal, Erica. And Erica look, was looking for a manager. So Keita was in bridal for years, like dresses and all that stuff. And she's always wanted to have her own hair extension line. And then I see her at this taking black garden in with a bloody line of hair extensions. And I'm like, girl, when did you do this? Like, congratulations. I was like, there's a picture I put on Instagram from like two years ago now. I was smiling from ear to ear because I haven't seen her in about 10 years in person. And then she had this line. Um, so then my mind starts doing the business thing because I can't help it as an entrepreneur. I'm like, OK. So I started just ask them questions as I'm going through the crowd. Is this a business or is this like a side hustle because of um, COVID? Oh, no, it's just a side hustle. It's like a hobby. i just making extra money and, you know, whatever. Would you like it to be a business? Oh, I don't know. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I have what it takes. I was like, give me your, so I collected all the business cards, all the business cards. And um, days after, I reached out to all of them and um, basically assess the need to build some sort of support system. So Black Women in Excellence was not gonna be Black Women in Excellence. It was just gonna be you know, a group of Black women that are in leadership roles or you know, um, self-employed entrepreneurs, whatever, shooting the shit, complaining about why life ain't fair for Black women in business. That's it. But I took it a step further. I said to my fiance, babe, I wanna do this. And he was like, oh God. <laughs> what next like what next and I was like okay there's all these women they're black you know some are from the same hood I'm from some are from a, from a different community like like they got what it takes they have niches they and they they develop their own markets like I know this could be something if I just work with them and based on all the things I went through in my business being audited um, um being behind on paying remittances having penalty taxes all that stuff things I learned over nine years not to do. I don't want them to do it. He was like, whatever you want to do, do it. I support you, figure it out. Needless to say, Black Women in Excellence um, started off with one program doing a startup. What was it called back then? 16-week entrepreneurship, pushing, pushing in excellence. That's what it was called. When I first started, I had like six people in it, six. And I had to like drag them out their houses. Like, girl, (laughs) I had to drag them. And, you know, now we're 18 months in and I've worked with 51 um, black women to help them start businesses, 37, 37 of those 51 are operating their business at almost full capacity. And, you know, 10 of those businesses are now doing their taxes this year as a business. So not only have I, you know work with them. I watch them blossom. I watch their confidence grow. I watch how they maneuver in the communities, how they're just walking with their chest up. They don't feel defeated. They don't got to, you know, argue and fight with their baby daddy no more for money. They don't got to worry about waiting for the 20th check to be deposited into their account to buy groceries or buy their kids a new pair of sneakers. They are building, you know, an empire for their household around being, you know, self-sufficient.
0: What would you say was, and, and because you mentioned you had to drag those six women, what, oh lord, what, like, what do you think is the, the biggest obstacle or maybe the main obstacle um, a lot of uh, Black women have when it comes to being their own boss or just, you know, turning like that side project into an actual career?
1: Confidence. Why would I be able to do something like that? Why would I, coming from where I came from, be able to have a business? Who's gonna buy from me? Who's gonna use my services? It's the confidence because we're so used to being let down, and you know society, you know, doesn't help with that. Like keeping us, we'll let you guys go a little bit up, you know, but we'll never let you soar. Yeah, um, we'll give you enough to say we're giving it to you, but you'll never go uh, past that. Um, so confidence is the biggest thing. Um, the accountability, um, finding excuses as to why they can't. Right. That's the second. And the third is lack of support.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: lack of support, because the word entrepreneur is not something that you talk about in the black community. It's starting to get known now. But when I started a business, I was crazy. Like you're risking everything, like just go get a job, like and get good pension and get good benefits. Why you want to start a business? It doesn't even make sense. You got three kids. You just went through a breakup. So I was crazy. Um, I'm going to be broke. My little business wasn't going to be successful. Um, nobody wanted to hear me talk about my business. No one wanted to hear me talk about wh- what my income bracket was at the time. And I mean, now they would love to know what my income bracket is now. Um, but back then, it was no conversation. So when you don't have support in your community and you don't really understand what it is to be an entrepreneur or run a business, and no one around your circle is talking about it, why would you think it would be for you? When you surround yourself with people who are in business, and are entrepreneurs, you can see them scaling and progressing in their businesses, you want to become that.
0: I kind of want to talk a bit more about like some success stories now that we're seeing with, you know, the women in black women in excellence. And, you know, you're, you're pushing these women to not only like find their voice, but, you know, believe in their dreams, sustain themselves. And I'm wondering if there's any stories that really stick out for you that you can share.
1: Oh my goodness. There's so many of them. Um, There's not any one that specifically sticks out, Um, you know, Scotian candles, I guess that sticks so because she came to my mind first. Uh, Shannon Shannon Downey. Um, you know, she has a background working in corporate. Like, you know, that being an entrepreneur is not a thing for her. It was never. And she came through one of my cohorts and she developed Scotian Candle Co. And she does soy uh, candles with the wood wicks, and the the smells are so authentic that they're not overpowering. And she what, what caught me with her is how quickly she caught on to everything and how much of commitment and dedication she put into her business. Um, at one of my markets, the first one she ever attended and she was nervous and I don't care if people are nervous, I'm making it come. So they came <laughs> and it was at the Halifax Needham recreation center. And that girl made the most money that day. And I'm going to say it was over $1,000 and she could not believe it. And I said, the fat, her brand It's clean. When I say clean, it's sexy. It's clean. Top of the line. She prides herself on how her labels are on her candles. If the candles are on even, let me tell you. So that girl, you know, for me and she just had a new baby. So she's going through that process. But she said to me not too long ago, T, I'm going to be back soon. So wait for me. And I said, girl, I got you any day. Um, so her, my daughter, and it's not because she's my daughter. Um, she's 23, her and her girlfriend started, well, she came to one of my programs, the first one. And I thought she was just coming because, oh, it's my child. She's going to come to sit with her mother all night. And I was like, okay, you can come. And, you know, she came like two weeks later with this little box of stuff. Me, it's hard to change off the role sometimes with me. So I'm like, Kia, what do you want? Like, what what, what do you have in this box? Just kind of shoved her off. And she was like, we came up with something. I was like, okay, let's see what it is. My gosh. Like, let me entertain this. And she opened a box and there were like chocolate bomb, like chocolate circles. And I said, what is it? And she said, go get some hot water. She put it in her mug, put the hot water on and opened up with hot chocolate coming out of it with marshmallows and all this stuff. And I was like, what the hell is this? And she said, we call it chocolate luxury bombs. From there, she, her number one, her responsibility of who she is has taken over. She's very dedicated, committed. Now she's my first daughter, so I spoiled her rotten. Very entitled child because she was my only daughter for nine years. Yeah. And um, and she she knows that. Now she is just all about her business. Um, she works for me part-time for my cleaning company, but she's all about luxury chocolate bombs. Um, they just mastered a vegan and gluten-free chocolate bomb so they're at luminate co sprout therapy almanac general lemonade store um they partner with so many different other restaurants for special like the good robot these ice cream antoinette cheesecake l- list goes on and i would never think thought in a million years that my daughter would want to have a business
0: oh she sees you and she also sees the women that you're you're supporting and. You know, it's really cool because, you know, when you're that young, it's hard to have that confidence to believe in yourself. And the fact that you've instilled that in her is like amazing.
1: Absolutely. So I guess, you know, there's a lot of them. Like I have a I have a board here. You can't see it. But I have a bulletin board that's filled with all the business cards for every business that I help start their businesses. And, you know, we have um, Holly Drops, another one, Braids by Tasha um oh my god spirit kissed raised lip gloss life essence and holistics um St. Kofa gifts like the list just goes on like I don't know I just I look at it that's my inspiration for when I get stressed out and I just want to just throw the towel in
0: mm-hmm. now I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with this
1: <laughs> yeah go ahead
0: um you mentioned, you know, early on with the backstory, how you, you know, you you had your own um, hair salon and you're doing really great, and then you know you had this horrible breakup and it kind of threw you off, and I'm sure that that caused a lot of depression. So if we're looking at this from the view of you know a black woman dealing with mental health issues, or you know something happens and suddenly she feels like she can't, um, what kind of support can you offer there, and what kind of advice?
1: So it's very iffy um, because some people say I'm a bitch or I'm hardcore. Um, I can be at times. And I did a panel about three months ago. We had a clinical practitioner who's a black woman. She has her own practice. We had a spiritual wellness coach. She has her own massage therapy practice. And then you have me, who's a serial entrepreneur, doing a discussion panel on uh, mental health versus accountability. And what does that look like to you as an entrepreneur? And we kept it 100% real. So for me, yes, I went through anxiety. I was on um, Effexor, which is an antidepressant for 10 years. 10 years. Um, so I understand it. I get it. But at the end of the day, and the reason I did that, that conversation, I'll tell you why, is I had a woman who was in one of my programs, and she had booked a wedding for a bride and groom. Got her deposit, everything, the night before their wedding. She says she had a mental health day and she canceled the wedding. No. So do we have sympathy at that point for someone who's suffering mental health? So there's a fine line. There's a huge fine line because I'm sure that bride and groom just did not care that you are taking a mental health day. Like it's night before our wedding. What do you mean? You're not doing it. Here's our deposit back. So that sparked a deeper conversation within my network because it's we can't do this. You know, when you work for somebody as an employer, they have to give you those mental health days. I know that because I'm an employer. Um, You can take those days off. You can do this. You can, but when you are self-employed, you know, there are supports out there. So when you ask about support, you know, I can always say you can go to Fantanish, which is a wonderful, she's one of our mentors in our mentorship initiative. And um, she's a spiritual wellness. She's a Reiki She does. She's a doula, a black doula, and she's a RMT. So all those you can go to her. You can go to Ray Jim Willis, which is a clinical practitioner. And she does a lot of grief counseling, depression, anxiety, stuff throughout the black communities. There is a lot of people I can refer you to, but guess what? If you're not ready to own the fact that you need help, there's nothing that I can do.
0: I like how you mentioned the accountability and They're two very separate things and how you have to separate it because again, like going back to our conversation of, you know, clumping things together, I find that tends to happen too when it comes to mental health and mental health awareness and um, just knowing how to support yourself in those situations. Like you said, asking for help and and acknowledging that you do need the help. Everybody needs help sometimes and just accepting it.
1: I will call someone who's older than me, who's been in this field longer than me. They don't even have to be Black. Um, there's people I talk to all the time that are not Black, who are entrepreneurs as women, who are leaders in the communities. I'll, I'll call them up just to shoot this shit and vent because I go through stuff and I have situations I need someone to coach me through because I'm going to lose my mind. And, um, you know, the moment you realize you're going to lose your mind and you start call- making phone calls, that's when you know you grew. But if you're going to continue to act like nothing is wrong and everybody else is a problem,
0: it, you're yeah. going
1: to be at a standstill.
0: So I want to talk a bit more about your taxes, because I think this is a major issue. It's huge. Huge issue. It's not just an issue, though. And I will say it, it's a huge issue for black women in the community. But I think with a lot of women in general, just not really knowing how to do taxes or if you're not educated in it you know and this isn't something we really learn
1: easily
0: so i mean what what kind of courses are you giving because i saw that you do have some zoom sessions on you know how to do your taxes but also i guess how to claim them properly if you have your own business because it, it sounds really complicated and Coming from my perspective, even too, it, it sounds like this, one of the scariest parts of starting your own business is the money situation and um, how much you owe and how much you actually have to save because you owe this at the end of the year. So I'm wondering what that process is like and how you help people.
1: <sighs> the process. So, you know, when we first start the, any of the programs, um, especially the startup one, I focus on a lot of guest speakers. And a lot of them are um, financial experts, like we have April Strawnick, um, Ruba from Scotiabank, Layla Reme from Scotiabank. So we do a lot of the financial people coming in for guest speakers in the beginning. Um, but I also cover, you know, when you have to register for HST, GST, um, the threshold and 30000 and how often you got to remit to the government. And if you don't have that money to remit, it doesn't matter. You still have to file. Even if you just put the number on there, you have to file it and then you can talk to CRA and then do payment arrangements. You cannot ignore it. It does not go away and it will come audit you. Um, If you have children, if you get audited, um, your child tax benefit will be held also. You will not get your GST. There's things that I make sure they're well aware of. Um, For businesses, you don't have to do your taxes until June 15th, but if you have children, and how they calculate your child tax benefits is done by February. So if you choose to wait until, you know, June, you're not going to get the July, the new child tax benefit. So you have to stick to have you, how you always done it. You can still do your taxes as a business and just do it like you would do your personal taxes the same time frame. If not, you can't get mad if your child tax benefits not there July 20th.
0: Did you learn all of this on your own?
1: Did yes, you- girl. Because I was like, where is my check? Oh, no, I didn't know. And they were like, well, you didn't file." I said, well, my bookkeeper at the time, I only had a bookkeeper. My bookkeeper said, I don't got do until June 15th. They said, yes, that's true. I said, so why did not I get my money? Because you're waiting until June 15th. You can do it anytime from the end of February to June 15th. And you did it June 15th. You're fine on that MSF shop. But your child tax benefit has not been calculated yet because you did not do it. I'm like, so it took until September, girl, to get my, they gave me back pay, of course, but July, August, September, like, that's crazy. So you really,
0: you really learned the hard way.
1: <laughs> I have learned the hard way. Um, you know, even with payroll, I thought, you know, when you work for somebody, you, you, you don't even notice EI and CPP coming off your check, really. Yeah. But when you are an employer, you know, you do deduct it from your employees, but you have to pay a portion, too. So who gives me that money to pay that portion? Uh, no one. I have to pull it from my business. That's how it goes. I didn't know that girl. So I was like, I didn't know the difference between a contractor and an employee.
0: Is this mainly a program for Black women in Halifax? Or is it? are you expanding a bit in Canada? Is it Canadian-based?
1: It is. The, the legal name is Canadian Black Women in Excellence Society. That's way too long. So I called the Black Women in Excellence. And now I call it BWIE because it's getting too long. <laughs> um, you know, previous I've done this with my sixth cohort coming up. So in the last probably three cohorts, we had women from Ontario, one from Ottawa, Alberta, um, the rural areas, Digby, Shelburne, um, Yarmouth, Truro. So yes, they're, they're all over.
0: That's amazing. And It probably complicates things a bit more for you because, you know, taxes can be different in different provinces and you're kind of dealing with. Listen,
1: (laughs) OMG, I I thought it would be great. It's different (laughs) even to register their businesses is different (sighs) compared to Montreal to Ontario. Totally different how to register, reserve your business name. You don't have to reserve uh, your business name separate from registration with their joint stocks in Ontario. Here, it's two process. There's one. You pay your money, you got it. Just like that. Here's two processes. You pay $70 each time. Um, I didn't know that until I worked with the first woman in Ontario. And I was like, what? Um, their rules are different too with taxes because their taxes are lesser than ours. It's a thing. Um, mm-hmm. It makes it a little bit more complicated, but you know what it makes me do? It forces me to um, reach out and make partnerships and connections with organizations in Ontario um, that work with Black businesses. So that's what I've been focusing on for the last couple of months. You so, must yeah.
0: have friends all over the place.
1: <laughs> oh, between LinkedIn? Holy crap. Uh, I'm meeting so 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 many amazing, you know, Black women and leaders, uh, leadership roles, Black women in business. I'm meeting them. Um, I'm actually going up to Ontario in March to meet all the ladies that I work with through my cohorts in person Um, because I do a lot of events here with the ladies here networking events once a month what about the ones who live you know away so I'm going to go meet them and I'm going to make sure I kill two birds with one stone and meet all the you know partners and organizations and other black women who've been in business and see how they're doing their thing up there
0: yeah and and I guess do you have anything coming up like Promotion wise, or anything you, you want to talk about, any events, anything major that we should know about?
1: Um, I'm doing it at a networking event at the Carlisle In House in Annapolis Royal. So we're doing a high tea event. Black women don't know about high tea. I didn't know about it until I started sitting around people above my caliber. And I'm just like, what the heck? Now it's time for me to be able to show them what high tea is. So we're gonna have nice big. We're gonna they're gonna buy their own hats and outfits, but one of the requirements is white gloves and a beautiful, beautiful hat. Big, big brim hat. Beautiful. Um, we're gonna do it the uh, the weekend before Mother's Day, actually.
0: Oh, that's so nice. And yeah, I mean it's February, so it must be a really busy month because it is Black History Month too, right? So
1: ah, oh, for me, we're doing like right now we're doing the twenty-eight day series. I don't know what the heck I was thinking. Let me tell you, girl. I don't know what I was thinking. I woke up one night and I said, I want to do something to feature the women. Yeah, I feature them during the daytime. And then I added another component. I want to interview them because people have questions. So when I do the interview, I interview every single night at seven o'clock. The ones that are comfortable with doing the interview. So I literally done 17 interviews in the last 19 days. So, yeah, the 28 day series is is focused around black women owned businesses. So it's called Celebrating Black History Month through black women entrepreneurs. So you'll see them all over my social media, my LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Snapchat, everywhere. You'll see them. I'll do email blasts with their pictures, their bios. I developed all the posters um, and their bios and the pictures. I did all of them. It took me 14 hours to do. Oh my God. That was on January, January 31st, 14 hours. I was in this office doing these, Um, but the women love it. I love it. Um, A lot of the women who want to do the interview, but they're scared. It just forced them out of their comfort zone. And they were like, girl, that was on fire. I want to do it again. And for people who hear these businesses and they just have questions, they're not just quite sure what they do. They get to log on Zoom. It's open to anybody and ask whatever question you want. We have the interview process and then we do a Q&A. Um, and I know it sounds cliche or whatever, but I'm, I'm literally, when I say to people, if you wait for the perfect moment, there is no perfect moment. It's like if you wait for a perfect moment to take a vacation, you're always going to have bills coming in. You're always going to have stuff going on. And if you keep waiting for that perfect moment to take a vacation, you ain't going to take a vacation. You just have to do it and yeah. enjoy that process. And when you come back home, deal with everything else.
0: Mm-hmm. Tia, thank you so much for, for doing this and, and talking with me on the East Coast City Podcast too. I was really excited to do this in February. And I know it's such a busy m- month because it's Black History Month. So I super yeah. appreciate it. Really. Don't
1: worry about it. I was like, oh, she asked for Black History Month. Let me make sure I have that day open <laughs> because, you know, this month, um, and that's one thing that I would say there was a question in here that I we didn't cover. You asked what could people do, non-Black yes. people do to support our community. Yes, it's true. Um, don't wait for Black History Month to, you know, be educated on certain things. Buy Black all year long. You don't yes. have to wait till Black History Month to buy from a Black business.
0: Yeah. Well, this is it. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're again. welcome. It was a really fun conversation. And you know what? I'm going to reach out again, but not during February.
1: Yeah, that's all. I mean, I'll <laughs> do it with you now because I did it with you once. Um, But that's all right. Anytime you want to chat, we can chat it out. We can go for coffee, too. We don't have to do a yeah. podcast every time. That'd be fun. Uh, I would love to link up with you on a personal note.
0: Thank you to Tia for taking the time out of a really busy month, Black History Month, to have a conversation with the East Coast City Podcast. Another big thank you to Jason Harbour for all his hard work when it comes to the sound engineering portion of the show. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel. We also are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, and Google Podcasts.